Welcome to the Danny Picard Show, Thursday, October 26, 2017. Broadcasting from the Beantown Athletics Studio, Beantown Athletics, Boston's go-to destination for customized screen printing and embroidery. Get more information on their website, beantownathletics.com. Today's show is presented by DraftKings. You can play for free at DraftKings.com or on the DraftKings app by using my promo code PIC. That's P-I-C. Today's show is also presented by Adam's Fish Market in Dorchester. Try them once and you'll be hooked. Head into Adam's Fish Market and treat yourself to an amazing seafood dinner at the absolute best price you'll find anywhere in Boston. Whether it's a fried or broiled fish dinner or a fish sandwich with fries or onion rings, Adam's Fish Market is always fresh and always delicious, and it has been for over 70 years. My go-to is the lobster roll for just $12.95. And speaking of lobsters, you can buy a live lobster at Adam's Fish Market, boiled or steamed, at no extra charge. So go to their website, adamsfishmarket.com, right now to check out their entire menu. And when you do stop by on Adams Street in Dorchester, make sure you tell John and George that I sent you. Adam's Fish Market, try them once, and you'll... Be hooked. Welcome to the show today as we enter Halloween weekend. And my advice, even though Halloween is on Tuesday of next week, right? This is still the big weekend where people would go out to Halloween parties or maybe you're even going out in town or going to a bar or a local establishment and you're wearing a costume because I'm sure everybody will be out there wearing a costume this weekend. And as you do that, my advice to you, I have one piece of advice And no, it's not, you know, stay safe. Shouldn't that always be the advice? All right. Don't you hate when people are like, oh, stay safe this Halloween weekend or any type of big celebrational weekend, a holiday weekend. They say stay safe this weekend as if that's different advice than somebody should or would be giving you on a on a normal weekend on an average weekend. Shouldn't it always be stay safe? Shouldn't that always be the advice, especially during Halloween? That's not my advice, because that should just be the obvious advice. My advice to you this Halloween weekend is, if you're going to get dressed up, and I don't know that you are, but if you're going to get dressed up, if you're going to go out of your way, put a costume together, I'm going to give you one piece of advice. Here's where you cannot go wrong on Halloween weekend when it comes to costumes. WWE wrestler, if you... Dress up as a WWE superstar, whether it's past or present, then you cannot go wrong. You cannot lose as a WWE wrestler. And I say that from my own personal experience. I put together a Shawn Michaels Halloween costume. The Heartbreak Kid, Shawn Michaels. If you don't know who he is, then you're just completely lost anyways. And there's there's no hope for me and you to connect in this conversation or in any conversation that I have on this show. You got to know the hot break kid, Shawn Michaels. Back in college at UMass, I created a Shawn Michaels costume, the hot break kid, and I wore it for like six straight years after the fact. And I think I took a year off and then came back strong with it the next year. And it's always a hit. It is. And anytime you go out, think about it. Anytime you see somebody who's dressed as a WWE superstar, you always know who they are, one. And two, even if it looks like they half-assed it, you still, you know, give them the acknowledgement of, huh, that's a that's pretty cool. You're a WWE, you, you know, you're an old-school WWE superstar. You're, a, you're Hulk Hogan. You're Macho Man Randy Savage. You're Stone Cold Steve Austin. I mean, think about it. Just how difficult is that costume to put together. It's not very difficult at all. So my advice this weekend is you can't go wrong dressing up as a WWE wrestler. You can't. You just can't go wrong doing that. And I, I, some people might be saying, wow, you're talking WWE on the show. I don't do it all the time. But if you do want to complain about that on social media um, and, and say, oh, you know, you talk wrestling, Every once in a while, I'm not going to listen to your show. Then let me let, let me do this for you. Just unsubscribe and don't listen, okay? I don't do WWE all the time. But every once in a while, we do. And if you don't like it, then go fuck yourself. I don't know what else you want me to tell you. But uh, I'm not going to open with wrestling. I'm not going to actually get into any other wrestling things on this show because it's uh, football Thursday. And as I usually do every Thursday, I will close out today's show with Picks Picks for Week 8 in the NFL I'll also give you my DraftKings gotta have him play for Sunday's slate. 
Uh, I had a good week last week, uh, or I should say a better week than I had in week six. Last week in week seven, I went three and two with picks picks. I also gave you LaShawn McCoy. I think he had just over 28 points in DraftKings. So uh, I'm I'm ready to, to continue to give you some more positive advice with my picks. I want my DraftKings, got to have him play for Sunday Slate. But before I do get into all of that, there is some breaking news today as I record this show. And uh, first and foremost, from a local perspective here in Boston, here in New England, Dante Hightower, New England Patriots linebacker, Dante Hightower, he is going to be out for the rest of the season. This is breaking news today because he is suffering from a torn pectoral muscle now Certain reports suggest that this is an injury he was dealing with um, back in the offseason and never fully healed from it, but was able to play with some of the pain that went along with this, but he tore it completely. It's a torn pectoral muscle, and the news today is that Dante Hightower will be out for the rest of the season. Uh, Ian Rappaport, NFL Network, he says out for the season. Adam Schefter says that, the timetable's unknown because Hightower is going to visit with Dr. James Andrews this week. But if you follow Rap Sheet, if you know Ian Rappaport, I don't think he's just throwing this out there without some pretty good sources. So uh, perhaps Rap Sheet reported this, and maybe there is a window of hope that he, Hightower could return later in the season. Who knows? But I'm gonna I'm gonna go with Rappaport on this because I don't think he's gonna tweet this. I do not think he's gonna report this if he doesn't have some pretty good information. And uh, the information that he's given is that Hightower is gonna be out for the rest of the season. And this is tough news for the Patriots because Hightower is that guy on the defensive side. You know, he's the guy with the green dot. He's the guy that is gonna supposedly help with the communication issues on this team. I guess. What we do in this town is whenever there's an injury, especially on the defensive end, you know, we wait to see, is this going to be the thing that's going to sink the ship, right? Is this the hole in the ship that's going to sink it all? Is is this the one? Is this the injury that's going to be the one that, you know, makes this thing spiral out of control? Though you could look at the Patriots defense this season and see a lot of the guys that they've been missing uh, either from seasons past or with injuries this season. I mean, go go to last week against Atlanta. They were without Stephon Gilmore. He was their big free agent signing in the offseason. And when Gilmore didn't play, you know, kind of looked like they figured some things out defensively. And I'm not trying to tell you the Patriots' defense will be better off with Dante Hightower. And, and I don't mean to bring up the Gilmore thing to say that They'll, they'll be better off without Gilmore if Gilmore were to miss even more time than that game against Atlanta. I'm not saying they'll be better off without him. I, I do think long term they'll be better with Gilmore healthy and on the field. But you have to point some of these things out because you do need to take some of the people who are panicking and talk some sense into them. And and the way I feel, even if they do, even if they do have to play on this season without Hightower for the rest of the season, which it's looking like that's going to be the case. Without Hightower, it's a it's a tough loss. It is. It's a tough loss. There's no question about it. Is it going to be the injury that, that, that tells me the Patriots can't win this season? I don't think they're going to tell me that. Now, Hightower has made some very big plays and some of the biggest moments in the playoffs that have helped the Patriots win their last two Super Bowls. I get that. All right, I get that. But um, if you want to just point some out, and again, I'm not telling you they're a better football team without Hightower, but just pointing something out to sort of, you know, ease ease the uh, the nerves or, or get people to maybe not panic or not hit the panic button. Hightower missed two games this season already. He's missed two games. And in those two games that Hightower has missed, the Patriots won both of those games in weeks two and weeks three, right? In week two, they beat New Orleans in New Orleans. And in week three, they beat Houston at home. They just barely beat Houston at home, but they won. In the two games that Hightower missed this season with a knee injury, the Patriots won both of those games. So you can't sit there and tell me, even though we all agree, I think most of us agree, this is a bad injury for the Patriots. And, uh, you know, they are going to feel the effects of this when it comes to those moments where they're looking for that big play defensively, they'll need somebody else to step up. 
I personally, me personally, I put my money on somebody else being that guy to step up. I I would put my money on the Patriots coaching staff putting this defense in position where somebody will have an opportunity to step up and make that play. And I think the Patriots season is, I don't think it's over. I do not think the Patriots season is over after this. But it is, while we all agree, most of us agree, it is a very bad injury and they do not want to lose a guy like this. They've lost a guy like this, and they've lost Dante Hightower for two games this season, and they they won without him. So um, it's not impossible for this team to win without Hightower here moving forward, but it's certainly not news you want to wake up to today. It's not news that you want to hear as a Patriots fan. It's certainly not news you want to hear as a Patriots organization as the Patriots get set for a week eight game at home against the Los Angeles Chargers. That's the news with them. Dante Hightower out for the season, according to Ian Rappaport, NFL Network. And then a a bit of baseball breaking news. Joe Girardi will not return as the manager of the Yankees next season. Now, his contract was up, but this is breaking news today because, you know, this is sort of being announced, right? Initially, there was a report saying that sources say Joe Girardi will not return as manager of the Yankees. Then you had the side speaking out saying, yep, the breakup is official. But uh, Girardi's contract was up. And the news is that he basically was told he, he couldn't return, right? The Yankees made this decision for him. Because if you're Joe Girardi, why would you want to get out now? I don't understand why you would. You have a very good young team. You have a very bright future, which is, you know, an immediate future. Like, this thing is going to start happening for the Yankees right now. They are going to contend for AL East now for for years to come with this young core that they have. So if you're Joe Girardi, why would you possibly want to get out of this thing now? This is not Joe Girardi's decision. This is the Yankees' decision. And uh, then you read a bust the only tweet. That sort of confirms that, that it was the recommendation of Brian Cashman to change managers. I don't know who the Yankees are going to turn to, but, um, you know, Joe Girardi being out, he certainly will have other opportunities. And who knows? Maybe that opportunity comes with a team like the Nationals, who fired their manager. And, you know, I'm sh- sure that's a, that would be a nice job for someone like Girardi as well. Obviously, National League, it's a little more work when it comes to in-game decision-making. But um, I don't think it's anything he can't handle Joe Girardi out as manager of the Yankees. So the Red Sox and the Yankees, two teams that were both in the playoffs, uh, they both get rid of their managers. And the Red Sox have hired Alex Cora, as I talked about and reacted to on Monday. Who will the Yankees hire? I do not know. I don't think they're going to go after John Farrell. But if you're John Farrell, I think you would love that opportunity, right? Of course, you'd love it. Because imagine if you're John Farrell and you could go to the Yankees and win a division with the Yankees and say, I have won the AL East three straight years with two different teams. And you're telling me I'm the problem? Like, that would be the ultimate fuck you if you're John Farrell. So if I'm Farrell, like if I had to put myself in John Farrell's shoes, I'd be going after that Yankee job. Now, I don't think the Yankees are going to hire him. But um, certainly, if you're Farrell, you're trying to right now make some phone calls, you and your agent, and put yourself in position to at least interview for it. So, um, again, I don't think Farrell's going to get hired by the Yankees. But if I'm Farrell, I would certainly be trying to go after that. So that's the news. Those are the two things of breaking news that we have today as I jump on this podcast. NFL-related and, and, you know, Boston-related Dante Hightower out for the rest of the season with a torn pectoral muscle. And baseball-related... Nationally, Joe Girardi will not return as manager of the New York Yankees. That leads me into some baseball. So before I get it back into football, just real quick, the World Series, it's tied at one game apiece through two games in L.A. They'll now go to Houston. They'll have today off. They'll have Thursday off. And then they'll have three straight games in Houston. Game number three will be Friday. So Friday night in Houston, tomorrow night, Friday night will be game three, You Davis versus Lance McCullers. Game four will be Saturday night, and game five will be Sunday night. They'll have Monday off, and then I'll head back to L.A. for game six and seven. Obviously, that one, 
you know, those two if necessary. I do think they'll be necessary. Houston has been very good at home. They haven't lost at home in this postseason, right? They beat the Red Sox in games one and two to ALDS. Um, they won games one and two to ALCS and then came back and won game six and seven at home of the ALCS. So the Astros have not lost at home this postseason. I do think they will lose at least one of the next three at home, though. Which one will that be? I'm, I'm not so sure. But last night in game two, it was a wild game two. Houston wins it in L.A., 7-6 in 11 innings. George Springer with the home run in the 11th. I thought this thing was going to end in the ninth, actually, when Bellinger hit that ball to right center. I thought that was the hottest hit ball of the night. And that didn't get out. I don't know how that didn't get out. But uh, then you had the Astros in the 10th. Home runs by Altuve and Correa. And that, the Dodgers respond in the bottom of the 10th with the Puig home run and then the Hernandez shot to right field that drove in the tying run that tied the game at five. And how cool is that moment? Like, that moment, is that not the best celebration in sports? You know, I'm a celebration guy. I like a good celebration. I love the fact that the NFL now lets the team celebrate and they let them use the football, though. They only let them use the football as a prop. Like, I saw, was it... Was it Le'Veon Bell earlier this season? He used the the field goal post as a punching bag. It was somebody. And they threw a flag on him. And I'm going, that doesn't make any sense. You're going to allow some more celebrations in the NFL. And I'm all for that because it's entertaining. You're going to allow a team to sit there and play duck, duck, goose. But you're not going to let a guy use the goal post as a punching bag? Like he literally gave it a three-punch combo and that was it. And they, they threw the flag. He's like, ah, you can play Duck, Duck, Goose. But um, you cannot, you can't do this. You know, you can do the Jamaican bobsled team, but you can't do this. You can't punch the goalpost with a three-punch combo. We're just not going to let it happen. You're having, you're having too much fun doing that. So I didn't understand that. But my point is, I love a good celebration. And um, I like the fact that the NFL lets them celebrate a little bit more than they used to. And, uh... You know, when it comes to hockey, love a great celebration. Basketball, eh, you don't really see anything crazy. Baseball, I love a good bat flip, right? That's a celebration. I love it. But maybe the best celebration in all of sports is in the postseason, the Major League Baseball postseason, when you get a big, when a guy has a big RBI double, or it might even be a leadoff double, nobody scores, but he gets on second and he yells, he looks into the dugout, he points into the dugout and he's going nuts. That moment last night in the bottom of the 10th inning where Hernandez puts that ball to right field and he drives in the game tie and run to tie the game at five and he's looking into his dugout and they, they did a slow-mo where he yells, let's fucking go, right? Is, is that not the best celebration in sports? Because that shows you the true passion, the true emotion that's on display in the Major League postseason, Major League Baseball postseason that you don't see for most of a 162-game regular season in Major League Baseball. And another example of that is Yasiel Puig in Game 2, where he's diving for a ball in right field, and it's a full-out, full sprint, running to his left, running towards uh, the foul line, the right field line, full sprint, lays out, you know, all-out dive at a ball, and it just hits the tip of his glove. Just, just hits the tip of his glove. And... It goes into the stands. It's a ground rule double, but he loses his mind. He gets up. He slams the glove down, loses his fucking mind. And that emotion right there, you would never see, you would never see that emotion in a 162 game regular season, but in the postseason where every pitch matters, where every moment matters, it's just, that's how cool the major league baseball postseason is. And, um, it's just another example, but the Hernandez play at second base, where he's there yelling, you know, it's just, it's a, it's a beautiful thing. I love it. It really is the best celebration in sports when that guy gets on second base after a big double and is looking into his dugout and is yelling and screaming. Really is. So, um, I love that moment, but Houston, they had the last laugh. They had the last big hit. They get the home run from George Springer in the 11th. That puts them up. And, uh, Houston ends up winning game two in LA series tied at one. Game three of the World Series Friday night back in Houston. You Davish versus Lance McCullers. Another story that is is taking place with with this World Series. And 
there's a lot of a lot of hypocrites out there, obviously, when it comes to Adrian Gonzalez. Now, Adrian Gonzalez out for the season. What do you have? The back injury. Um, you know, he hasn't really been around. And uh, you know, look, sometimes guys don't want to be around when they get injured. They know they're out for a long time. They they sort of disappear to the point where you know, if you're a big name player, um, you don't want the team maybe seeing you hoping and wishing and praying that you're going to come back and save the day if, if the day needs to be saved, and and they go away. I mean, we've seen that in professional sports, not just in baseball. Uh, we, we saw that in other places, and there were times where I've seen it and said, you know what, I think this guy should just go away. Like, I think he should just not really be part of the team right now because he's not going to be part of the team the rest of the season, and you want this team's mindset to be just that, that they know you're not going to be part of the team. They have to get the job done with the guys that they have. So Adrian Gonzalez, not with the team. And a lot of people, when Adrian Gonzalez was with the team, were saying, oh, he should just go away. Like, they would be better without him. And it kind of gets you back into the Red Sox thing with Adrian Gonzalez, right? Like, they make that big trade. With, with with the Dodgers, send Adrian Gonzalez to the Dodgers. You know, next thing you know, you got a new manager. Next thing you know, winning a World Series. Like, that attitude here in Boston with Adrian Gonzalez, which is, you're better off without him. That that type of attitude. You know, there are people saying that with him, about him with the Dodgers as well. And now that he's actually gone, and, and here's the backstory with Adrian Gonzalez in this postseason. Um, he watched the ALDS from home, And there's a story in the LA Times that came out yesterday. He watched the ALDS from home because he didn't want to be a distraction. That's what he says. That's what Adrian Gonzalez says. And I can understand that. Again, I can understand that mindset. Um, But then he went on a vacation with his family. What did they go to? Italy or something? It was his wife is going to be doing some type of project in Italy with work. I don't know. So he went. He helped them move. He's going to be spending his offseason in Italy. He, in Italy, he helped him move, whatever. He came back, he returned. Because when he was gone, there was a big story. Like, oh, Adrian Gonzalez goes on a vacation, not with the team. He returns, and um, he actually returned to the team in game two. Or at least he was in the ballpark. He wasn't in the dugout. He watched it from a suite. He watched game two in L.A. from a suite last night on Wednesday night. But game one, he was in the studio. Right, he was in like the L.A. Dodgers TV studio, which is not even at the ballpark, and and he was doing what some type. He was playing some type of analyst role for the Dodgers. Meanwhile, he's on the team. Some people saying, "Well, why wouldn't you be in the clubhouse? Why wouldn't you be helping this team? At least giving him some advice or a veteran presence. You're a great hitter. You know, give this team some advice." I just I find that hypocritical for people to be saying that. Because there's a lot of people that look at Adrian Gonzalez, they say, oh, the team would be better off without him. And those same people that were saying that are now criticizing Adrian Gonzalez for not being with the team when they go to the World Series. See, I'm not going to criticize Adrian Gonzalez for that because I kind of understand his didn't want to be a distraction, whether you want to call that an excuse or not. I understand it. I do. I get it. And it's not the first time we've seen that with the pro athlete. What I am going to knock Adrian Gonzalez for is one, the vacation is stupid. All right. Don't, it's one thing to say, I don't want to be a distraction. I'll watch from home. I'll cheer from home or I'll be in the booth giving some type of, you know, analysis with the, with the local TV station, you know, the, the, the Dodgers TV network. I'll do that. That's one thing to go on a vacation. You can't do that. You just can't You can't do that. But really what I'm going to knock Adrian Gonzalez for is, all of those things happened, and then last night you're in the ballpark. Like, I'm going to knock him for one thing and one thing only. For not being able to make up his mind. Adrian Gonzalez, make up your fucking mind. Like, this isn't difficult. Either you don't want to be a distraction, or you do. Either you want to be with the team, or you don't. It's one or the other. Like, everybody, you can't have it both ways. And, and I'll say the same thing about the people criticizing him. You can't sit there for the last five years or so, and this is going back, obviously, to when Adrian Gonzalez played for the Red Sox. You you can't sit there 
and yell and scream and say, Adrian Gonzalez is no good. He shouldn't be, you know, he shouldn't be on this team. He shouldn't be on that team. A team will never win with him around. He takes the team down on the field in the clubhouse. You can't say all that. And then when he doesn't show up in the clubhouse as a guy who's been injured for a while just to be a team presence, you can't all of a sudden say, well, he should come back to be a presence on the team because they need him to win. It's You can't have it both ways. So I'm not upset with Adrian Gonzalez if he doesn't actually want to be with the team because I can actually understand that. And we've seen it before. A guy saying, look, I haven't been with them. I don't want to all of a sudden show up and be a distraction. The problem is you, you got to make up your mind. So that's what I'm going to criticize Adrian Gonzalez for. You have to make up your mind. Either you want to be around the team or you don't. You can't not show up early on and then decide to show up in game two of the World Series because that's where, you know, the hypocrisy of all of this begins to come back into play, not just with the critics who criticize Adrian Gonzalez, but also with Adrian Gonzalez himself, who obviously can't make up his fucking mind. So that's another storyline to go along with the World Series here locally with the Red Sox, obviously taking part in their offseason. Uh, the news yesterday was that Dustin Pedroia had knee surgery. He had knee surgery yesterday on Wednesday. Recovery is expected to be seven months. So if you're doing the math, here we are now in late October. If you're doing the math, seven-month recovery, and that's, I'm sure, with everything going smoothly, everything going perfectly with the rehab, which is no guarantee, but if everything goes perfectly, everything goes smoothly with the recovery, with the rehab, Seven months from now is the end of May, right? End of May, Memorial Day weekend around there, which means that he wouldn't be in big league games. He wouldn't be able to play in big league games until June. So if we're going to look at Dustin Pedroia and we're going to be realistic about when he could start next season after this knee surgery that he had yesterday on Wednesday, being realistic is that you shouldn't expect Pedroia to be back on the field for the Boston Red Sox until June of next year, which means that you're looking at him not playing the first two months of the season, which means that the Red Sox should do exactly what I told you they should do uh, right when the season ended, which was make sure Eduardo Nunez is back. Sign Eduardo Nunez. He's a free agent. He had a knee injury. Sure. We all know how that season ended for him being carried off the field after his first at bat in game one of the ALDS in Houston. But from everything that I've read, everything that's been reported, Eduardo Nunez is not going to need surgery on that knee like Pedroia did. So Nunez should be ready to play uh, by the time you get to opening day next year. And if that's the case, I want Nunez to be the Red Sox starting second baseman because... If you're the Red Sox, you need to take into account not just Pedroia missing the first two months of the season, but the rest of the year. I mean, there is nothing that guarantees when Pedroia does come back in June that he's going to last, you know, from June to September on if you think you're going to play in the postseason. I mean, there's nothing guaranteeing you that Pedroia is going to be able to even last you know, that long of a season if he does come back in June. So who knows what Pedroia's future health-wise is going to look like with this knee surgery and when he returns, you know, again, the timetable seven months. But, uh, you know, I've seen guys, we've all seen guys who have gone longer than their timetable. Sure, we've seen guys who've been shorter than their timetable. But this has been such an issue for Pedroia. Injuries have been such an issue for Pedroia that, um, I don't know. I don't think you should be looking at this thing thinking, hey, you know what? We'll get him back Memorial Day weekend and he'll be back and he'll be back the rest of the year and he'll be fine. He'll be a 300 hitter and then we can move on and everything's going to be great at that position and everything's going to be great with this player because here's another thing that you you also have to take into account. Um, and it's something to keep an eye out for. Let's say you do bring in someone like Nunez, which I hope they do again. And, and Nunez, for the first two months of the season, is that spark plug that this team needs offensively. And you get to a point in late May, early June, Pedroia is ready to return. But perhaps the new manager, Alex Cora, isn't ready to take Nunez out of the lineup because he is a guy that they rely on. And maybe at that point, he's a guy that they can't take out of the lineup. So that's where it'll get interesting as well. But 
first and foremost, you're the Red Sox. You see this knee surgery with Pedroia. You know the timetable seven months. You know by doing that math, that means he's probably not going to be back until June at the very earliest. And you have to make sure that beginning opening day, you have a guy at second base that's going to be able to help this team produce because whether you like Pedroia or not, when you do lose his bat, whether it's the injury, um, whether it's to just lack of production, this team obviously takes a hit. This offense takes a hit. So uh, you got to get that guy in that spot. You got to be ready. You you know, I'm not saying you have to move on from Pedroia right now, but you at least have to take the proper steps this offseason to make sure you have a person and a player in place at that second base position that, you know, you will hope give you the type of production that someone like Nunez could give you. So that's why Nunez should be your guy. What other options do you have? Bring Nunez back. I think it's a, I think it's a simple solution, and I hope they certainly do it. But that's the news on Pedroia. Uh, a couple other Red Sox notes. Chili Davis and Brian Butterfield, who are on the coaching staff, they have both signed with the Cubs. So Chili Davis gone, Brian Butterfield gone. They've signed with the Cubs. Wow. So uh, clean house, right? There's, there's going to be a whole new coaching staff. We know Alex Cora is there as the manager. I assume he's going to talk with the Red Sox front office. He's going to talk with Dave Dombrowski about who his guys are going to be, about who his coaching staff is going to be. When the World Series is over, they will get to that. So that's what we have with some baseball news and the latest in the Major League Baseball world. But this is a football Thursday, so let's get into it. Week 8 in the NFL 13 games we're going to have for week eight. Why only 13 games? Well, because six teams have a bye. Six teams have a bye. Those teams, Arizona, Green Bay, Jacksonville, the Rams, the Giants, and Tennessee. Those are the six teams that have a bye for week number eight. So only 13 games in week eight, which begins with Thursday night football. The Baltimore Ravens is a three-point favorite hosting the Miami Dolphins. They're predicting this one to be a low-scoring affair. 37.5 is the over-under. And I told you on Monday, this week we're going to get back to some shitty Thursday night football. We had a couple good Thursday night games with the eh, Patriots-Buccaneers. Are we calling that a good Thursday night game? Uh, eh, I don't know. Philly-Carolina was a legit Thursday night game. Um, And then you had Kansas City-Oakland, another legit Thursday night game. But now we're back to shitty Thursday night games. Baltimore and Miami. I don't know how you pick this one. I mean, it would be easy for me to sit here, look at the standings, look at the last couple weeks and go, well, the Dolphins are 4-2. and two. They've won three straight. Yeah, they're not going to have Cutler, but that might be a good thing. Jay Cutler's hurt with cracked ribs. They're going to go with Matt Moore. Again, that might be a good thing for Miami. So maybe they're even going to be better than they've been this season. And they are 4-2. and two. Uh, they have won three straight. They should be able to go into Baltimore and win this game against a Ravens team that's three and four, that's lost two straight, that doesn't look any good. That would be, that's probably what should happen, right? Miami should probably go into Baltimore and win on Thursday night. But not only is Thursday night unpredictable, so I'd stay away from this one, but the league as a whole is unpredictable and stupid is as stupid does and stupidity on Thursday night football. The definition of stupidity in this league would be Baltimore scoring 40 points against Miami and winning in a blowout fashion. That's, I mean, but it's seemingly... Um, stupid, but but that's just the way this league works, right? Would you really be surprised if that happened? So I would just stay away. I always stay away from the Thursday night game, but that's what we have. Baltimore, a three-point favorite at home against Miami. The over-under is 37.5, so they're predicting a low-scoring affair. I would look at this and go, you know what? I could see it going over. I I, I would say, if, I, if you made me make a pick, I'd take Baltimore minus three and the over. That's what i do. Um, it seems kind of like a crazy pick, but it's a stupid pick. That's just what the league is, stupid. So week eight begins with that. It ends with Monday Night Football, Denver in Kansas City. Uh, so the Chiefs uh, hosting the Denver Broncos. Kansas City's a seven-point favorite in this one. Uh, I would take Kansas City in that. Denver, uh, they've had a tough go of it. They got some injuries. Emmanuel Sanders, 
banged up there. Uh, Simeon, he's playing hurt. So the Denver Broncos right now, this is as close to a must win as you're going to get for them. They're three and three. Looking up at Kansas City, who's five and two. Uh, both of these two teams have lost two straight. Monday night game in Kansas City, tough place to play. If you made me pick, one of these two teams is going to snap a losing skid. One, I'll think about taking the home team, and two, I'll especially take the home team here, given that the home team is Kansas City, and that is one of the toughest places to play in the NFL. So that's what we have Thursday Night Football, Monday Night Football here locally. We are focused on the Patriots' final game before their bye week as they host the Chargers Sunday at 1. I told you about the Hightower injury out for the season, so they will be without Dante Hightower. Now, what I've seen with the spread since that news has come out is that the Patriots are still a seven-point favorite, so nothing has really changed there, and as they should be, the Patriots, uh, again, a seven-point favorite in this game against the Chargers Sunday at 1. But as I wrote in a column for the Boston Metro, which is in print today, and it's online as well, I put the link on my Twitter account and Facebook. What I wrote in this column was, looking ahead to this game Sunday at 1 against the Chargers, is that this could be the Dion Lewis game. If you look at Dion Lewis's increased touches when it comes to rushing the football and him getting carries, they have increased since he started complaining after a week three win against Houston. He told Mike Giotti of NBC Sports Boston that, you know, this was a tough situation. It's a contract year for him. He wasn't getting the looks, and uh, he wants to be the featured back in this Patriots offense. Now, usually that, that doesn't really end well for a player with the Patriots when you come out and complain like that, especially after a win. But one thing I do think we need to do is is give credit where it's due. Both sides sort of handled this thing like adults. But, you look, the Patriots put the ball in Deion Lewis's court. They they probably said, either you're going to keep talking about this or you're going to do something about it. Show us something that should make us sit here and go, okay, we want to get the ball to Deion Lewis and we should give him more work. We should give him more looks. We should give him increased touches and increased carries. And... Judging from everything I've seen, Deion Lewis has put in the work, he has proven, and he has shown that this team is a better football team, at least offensively, when he's getting those increased looks, when he's getting those increased touches and those increased carries, and that's what's that's what's happened. So uh, he had a season high in carries last week, and he had 70-plus yards rushing. Going up against San Diego's rush defense, which is the second-worst rush defense in football, I'm expecting this to be the Deion Lewis game. I'm expecting those carries to be close to 20 carries in this game. I'm expecting him to have 100 yards rushing at least and a couple touchdowns to go along with it. So uh, if if the trend is going to continue with how the Patriots are going to run their offense and how Deion Lewis is being used and the success that they're having with increased usage, then I'm looking for this to potentially be the Deion Lewis game against the Chargers. But um, that's one of my picks for Picks Picks, the Patriots-Chargers game. So maybe I'm teasing it a little bit. So I'm going to save that. I'm not going to go all out and give you my official pick right now. Picks Picks is coming up in, in, in just a few moments. So stick around for that. But just going through week eight and what we have. Again, locally, we have this Patriots-Chargers game. Sunday at one, Patriots a seven-point favorite. Uh, some of the national storylines... All eyes on Ezekiel Elliott in what could be his last game until week 15. He's got a six-game suspension that's on again, off again. Uh, There will be another hearing for Ezekiel Elliott on Monday. So he's at least playing week eight against the Washington Redskins in D.C. That's a 425 kickoff in D.C. in Washington. Ezekiel Elliott, what we know is we don't know what's going to play out with this hearing next Monday. We do know that he's playing in Week 8 against the Redskins. So, uh, with Elliott in the backfield, all eyes on him. Uh, you know, I'm a little bit more invested in this story, as I told you the last couple shows, because I have Elliott on my fantasy team, and uh, I'm in a serious race for first place, and um, I don't know what to do, because if he does serve a six-game suspension, then he'll be back Week 15. That's good, but it's a long enough span where, without Ezekiel Elliott, you know, I could end up maybe missing out in the playoffs because of that. That's how good he is. That's how how much of a factor he is in my fantasy football team every single week. But if I had to if I had to predict what's going to happen with the Ezekiel Elliott situation, I would say 
that he serves a three or a four game suspension beginning next week. I would. I don't think he's going to serve six. I think this this thing has gone back and forth so many times that I just feel like there's a middle ground that they're going to have to reach. And perhaps that middle ground is knocking the suspension down a couple games. If they can even do that at this point. I I honestly don't even know. But um, I, I, like I said before, I haven't been following this thing as much as I was following Deflategate. But I've been following it enough to know that there's got to be... Like, I don't just see him all of a sudden not serving a suspension this year. I do think he'll serve something. I'm not so sure it's going to be six games. Maybe there's a three, four-game suspension he serves beginning in week nine. But here's what we know. He'll play in week eight, so all eyes will be on him because Dallas, if they are going to lose Ezekiel Elliott for an extended period, they have to get as many wins as they can get right now. So you have to go into D.C. and win this game with Elliott on the field for you. Speaking of running backs, no Marshawn Lynch for the Raiders this week. He will serve his one game suspension against the Bills because Marshawn Lynch on Thursday night of last week, he ran out in the field during a little scrum. He wasn't even on the field for the play, came off the sideline, ran on the field and pushed an official. And you could tell the minute he pushed the official, he grabbed him. He didn't let him go. He grabbed his jersey as if to say, oh shit, I didn't mean to do this to you I'm just in here trying to protect my teammate and you got in the way shit 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 I can't believe I just fucked up please don't throw me out of this game not only did they throw him out of the game and he went up and watched the game from the stands which is you know stupid but not only did they throw him out of the game he is now suspended one game and he'll serve the one game suspension and he'll do that this Sunday against the Bills so no Marshawn Lynch uh, what else do we got? Th- how about this story? 37-year-old defensive end Dwight Freeney. That's right, the Dwight Freeney that you know. Veteran Dwight Freeney has signed a deal with the Seattle Seahawks. He signed this week, and they're saying he could play Sunday in Seattle against the Houston Texans. Texans coming off a bye, Seattle at home. They got some defensive injuries. They signed Dwight Freeney, and Dwight Freeney said he was about one week in one more week, if one more week had passed without signing with anybody, he was probably going to hang him up. Well, the Seahawks came calling at the right time. Not only did they sign Dwight Freeney, but it's looking like Dwight Freeney is going to play Sunday in Seattle. So keep an eye on what he's able to do for this Seattle defense at home against a Houston Texans team that we're now, are we now calling the Texans an offensive powerhouse with all the defensive injuries and Deshaun Watson looking the way he's looked this season, which is phenomenal. Are we calling them an offensive powerhouse? Maybe. It's something we haven't been saying about Houston. In fact, that's been their only problem in, what, the last 10 years is that they haven't been offensively productive in this league, and they haven't had a quarterback. They've had the defense. Now they get serious defensive injuries, and they got a quarterback. So uh, we'll see what they do in Seattle. But Dwight Freeney for the Seahawks, it's looking like he's going to play. And also, keep an eye on the coaches after this week because, I don't know, maybe Monday. Maybe Monday morning you get some news. And there's two I got my eye out for. Uh, The coaches in Indy and Cincinnati, right? Marvin Lewis, Chuck Pagano, keep an eye on these guys. Both of these teams, well, Indy's 2-5, and Cincy is 2-4. and They play each other. And this game is what? This game is in Cincy, right? This game in Cincy? Either way. They, Indy versus Cincy. They both have two wins. And the loser of this game could see their coach fight on Monday. It's just something I've been thinking of when I'm looking at the games that we got this weekend. Uh, maybe they won't. But, um, you know, keep an eye out for it. Keep an eye on the coaches in Indy and Cincinnati and what happens and what news you get on Sunday night or Monday morning. And uh, finally, before I get to my picks, two winless teams. Cleveland hosts Minnesota. Cleveland's 0-7. They host the Vikings in London. So we do have a London game. There's there's one game, there's one early game, 9.30 Eastern time, 9.30 a.m. Eastern time on Sunday. Cleveland, so when I say Cleveland hosts Minnesota, it's just an unfortunate situation for Cleveland having one of their home games be in London but uh, Cleveland's looking for their first win. Hey, crazy things happen overseas, right? Uh, Minnesota could very well be in London and be not ready to play, and maybe they get smacked in the mouth by a Cleveland team that's no good. 
I don't know, but Cleveland's looking for their first win, and San Fran is also looking for their first win. They will not, the 49ers will not get the luxury of maybe playing overseas and sneaking up on a team. They will be in Philly against the Eagles, who are in first place with the best record in football, Eagles at 6-1, and one, and have won five straight. San Fran will not win that game in Philly. So uh, Cleveland, Minnesota, San Fran, Philly, both Cleveland and San Fran looking for their first win of the season. Let's get to my picks for week eight. And I will begin with my DraftKings. Gotta have them play for Sunday's slate. As you know, every Thursday, I give you one NFL player that you just gotta have in your DraftKings lineup for Sunday. Uh, Before I do, I gotta remind you, use my promo code PIC, that's P-I-C, on DraftKings.com or on the DraftKings app, and that's how you can play for free. And yes, you can still win money by playing for free with my promo code, which again is PIC, P-I-C. And with football season in full swing, it begs the question, how is your fantasy football team doing? Maybe you drafted a dud in the fourth round, or your first round pick is on the shelf with a bum knee. Well, the good news is, It's not too late to forget the injuries and get back in the winning column with DraftKings One Week Fantasy Football. With DraftKings, there are many ways to play. Choose between public contests with big cash prizes or private contests where you can compete against a group of your friends. DraftKings also has beginner and casual contests where you'll play against people of similar skill level. The best part is you get to draft a new team every week without any commitment whatsoever. There is no better way to turn your love of football into cash this Sunday. So get to DraftKings.com right now and use promo code PIC, P-I-C, to play for free with your first deposit for your share of over $1 million in total prizes this Sunday. Again, P-I-C is the promo code. And because it's week number eight in the NFL, another thing I got to let you know, Every fourth week in the NFL season, I will be running a 2020 tournament on DraftKings. $20 to play, but only 20 people can enter. I will be posting the link on my Twitter account later today and this weekend. Just follow me on Twitter, at Danny Picard. Also on Facebook, facebook.com slash the Danny Picard Show. I'll post the link, click the link, sign up. Again, $20 to enter. Only 20 people can play. Winner takes all, and the winner will get a free Picard Club t-shirt. So I'll be sending you some gear from this show, and you can support the show by also going to tpublic.com and maybe buying your own Picard Club t-shirt in the meantime. But if you don't want to do that, uh, and you think that you can join this tournament, and also I'll be playing in it, so try to beat me in DraftKings, try to steal my money, and try to get a free t-shirt while winning money in the process. Again, the link will be on my Twitter account, but I do that every fourth week during the NFL season. We did it in week four, and we'll do it again now for week number eight. But uh, without further ado here, let's get to my DraftKings. Gotta have them play for Sunday slate. It's Kirk Cousins. Kirk Cousins, quarterback of the Washington Redskins, 6400 bucks, And I think that's a pretty good deal, considering that Kirk Cousins has been crushing it lately. In the last four games, at least three of the last four games, Cousins has thrown for 300-plus yards and has had multiple TDs. This game between the Redskins and the Dallas Cowboys is the highest over-under of the week at 49-and-a-half. Again, Washington, this game is in D.C., so they host the Dallas Cowboys. I would think about stacking Cousins with either Redskins running back Chris Thompson, who they also like to dump the ball off to and throw to, or tight end Jordan Reed, who I guess you could say had a breakout game for this season last week with a couple touchdown receptions. But uh, Cousins, and you could stack them with either Thompson or Reed, but Cousins is my gotta have him. You gotta have Kirk Cousins in your lineup. He's not very expensive. Again, only 6400 bucks. I think this is a favorable matchup for Washington, seeing that it's at home, and also seeing that Dallas has let up some points this year. They have 42 points to Denver, and Simeon, that was at week two, Simeon threw four touchdown passes in that game. So they allowed 42 points to Denver, they allowed 35 points to the Rams, and then they allowed 35 points to Green Bay. So 
You can put up some points. You can put up some pretty good numbers as a quarterback in this league against the Dallas Cowboys. And again, with the highest over-under of the week at 49.5, they're expecting this game to be a high-scoring affair. I expect this to be back and forth, back and forth, with Cousins continuing to answer. And if they do score with their running back, I think it's with Thompson, and I think it's because... Kirk Cousins is dumping it off to Thompson, which means Cousins is going to get some of those points as well. So my DraftKings, got to have him play for Sunday's slate, is Kirk Cousins. I gave you a good pick with that last week. I gave it LaShawn McCoy, so I feel like I'm feeling good about my DraftKings lineups. I've been winning some money, and uh, you can too now if you want to listen to my advice and put Kirk Cousins in your DraftKings lineup. He's my got to have him play for week eight in the NFL and now it is time for picks picks I give you five games with the spread every single Thursday let's get to it hit the music and I gotta let you know picks picks for week eight presented by the Dorchester group the Dorchester group is a full service real estate agency specializing in the sale of properties in the Boston area what can they do for you Well, the Dorchester Group assists individuals who currently own property, helping them come up with the best strategy to manage, improve, or dispose of it. As you know, there's a lot of developers in Boston right now looking to buy your property, but be careful. These developers are not functioning in your best interest. The Dorchester Group is here to help you maximize your return and protect you against developers who are looking to take advantage of your valuable property. These developers don't care about you or your neighborhood, All they care about is money and how they can make more of it when you're gone and your property is theirs. So do yourself a favor and put someone from the neighborhood in your corner. Call the Dorchester Group today, 617-869-4464. That's 617-869-4464. Or go to their website, dorchestergroupre.com. That's dorchestergroupre.com. Maximize your return today with... The Dorchester Group picks picks for week eight. I'm 17 and 18 on this season, three and two last week. When you finish above above 500 in a week, that's good. When you finish above 500 in a season, that's even better. So let's get back above 500 this season. Again, 17 and 18 on the year, but pick number one. I'm going with the Atlanta Falcons over the New York Jets. This game is at MetLife in New York. The Falcons are a five-point favorite. I'm taking Atlanta minus five. Look, the Falcons, they won their first three games of the season. And they ended up being one of only two undefeated teams that remain. You remember Atlanta and Kansas City. Atlanta fell before Kansas City did, but still... The fact that you begin the season 3-0, it's a good start to the year considering the way the previous season ended with that Super Bowl collapse. So I think early in the season, they got that out of the way. They said, you know what, there's no Super Bowl hangover. We win three straight, we're good. Well, what happened to the Falcons since, if you're a Falcons fan, has to be just horribly disappointing. The Falcons have now lost three straight, and they seem to be on the verge of another collapse. So this is a must-win for them. The Falcons are 3-3. and um, the bye week has come and gone for them, so they don't have a bye week anymore. And they, they got to win this. This is desperation time for Atlanta, right? They go up against a Jets team that's 3-4. and four. The Jets have lost two straight. And let's face it, nobody, nobody looked at the schedules and thought that the Falcons and the Jets entering this Week 8 game, nobody thought that they'd have the same number of wins. But they do. Atlanta has three. The Jets have three. But uh, that's really the only thing that these two teams have in common is the number of wins. A lot of people are counting Atlanta out. I'm not one of those people. The Falcons just have way too many weapons, and I do expect their running backs to have a big day. Coleman, Freeman, I think they're going to have a big day Sunday at MetLife. The Jets' rush defense ranks 28th in the league, allowing 127 rush yards per game. So with that... I do think, seeing that Atlanta knows this is a must-win game, being 3-3, three and three, having lost three straight. By the way, those three straight losses to three AFC East teams, the Bills, the Dolphins, and the Patriots. Are they going to lose to every team in the AFC East? I don't see that happening, and I don't see the Falcons losing this game. I think it's a big-time bounce-back game for Atlanta. Give me the Falcons with a 14-point win on the road. I'm taking Atlanta minus 5 
over the Jets. Then, I'm going with the Carolina Panthers, plus two and a half over the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. This game is in Tampa Bay, and even though Carolina's the road team, I'm still a little surprised to see them as an underdog. Again, Carolina, plus two and a half. Um, Maybe it has something to do with how they looked against the Chicago Bears last week. I mean, I don't know how you can explain that. How do you explain Carolina going into that game last week, being 3-0 on the road this season, and having won in New England, having won in Detroit, and then going into Chicago and only scoring three points? You can't explain that. Maybe that explains why they're an underdog in a Tampa Bay. Still, if you just put both of these teams, line them up against the wall, match them up, you know, took away previous games, I tell you that Carolina is a much more talented team, and I tell you that Carolina can go into Tampa Bay and win this one, and I think they will. But um, look, Carolina's now 4-3. and three. They've lost two straight. The Buccaneers are 2-4. and four. Buccaneers have lost three straight. Like I said, Cam Newton should be able to bounce back against this Tampa Bay team. And the biggest reason is Tampa Bay's pass defense ranks 30th in the league, allowing 295 pass yards per game. So uh, this could be close. You know, you got a divisional dogfight perhaps in that NFC South. Tampa Bay just scratching and clawing to try to stay alive, having just two wins on the season. But I mean... You know, I don't think it's a fluke what Carolina did in New England and then what they did the next week in Detroit. Cam Newton had a had another weird press conference this week where he walked off the podium after a question that I didn't even really think was dumb, but maybe he was just trying to prevent himself from saying something stupid again. If you're Cam Newton, wouldn't you rather be in videos walking off the podium after a question than uh, being behind the podium saying something stupid again? Right? You'd rather maybe look stupid in that sense than say something stupid Well, either way, Cam Newton, he's bounced back from a stupid press conference before. I think he's going to be able to do it again. That is going to play no... That's that's not going to factor into this game at all. This one's going to come down to Carolina. I think feeling a little disrespected, being an underdog against Tampa Bay, only scoring three points last week against Chicago, not having a good offensive week. I I think they'll bounce back. So uh, I'm going to take Carolina to win, which obviously means I'm going to take them with the points. So Carolina plus two and a half over the Buccaneers. Then I'm going to take the New England Patriots minus seven. I know I teased it earlier, but the Patriots, they're a seven point favorite for a reason. This one, I mean, just look at the charges. This, this is a wacky charges team. They always are. They're always a wacky charges team led by Phillip Rivers. He's a wacky quarterback. This guy stresses me out more than anybody in the fucking league. And uh, he's going to stress some people out on on Sunday, especially if you take the Patriots minus seven. Look, the Chargers have the ability, especially with Dante Hightower not playing in this game for the Patriots, the Chargers have the ability with Melvin Gordon to run. They have the ability offensively to make some plays. The question is, will they? You can't guarantee me to Delcom and Gillette and make all those big plays. Here's a couple things that should be noted. Both the Patriots and the Chargers. They both have a bye next week in week nine. But the Chargers coming from West Coast to East Coast, having to play a one o'clock game. Maybe this could be a game in which they're snoozing a little bit early on. I don't know. But if they are snoozing, well, Deion Lewis should be able to make them pay. I told you about Deion Lewis and the increased usage that he is seeing, the increased carries that he's getting. And uh, his eyes should light up at what I'm about to tell you. The Chargers have the second-worst rush defense in the NFL, allowing 141 rush yards per game. And if you go back to all of the Chargers' losses this season, all four of them, which, by the way, came in the first four games of the year, the Chargers began the year 0-4. Since then, they've won three straight, and they come into this game against the Patriots, haven't won three straight, but still, go back to their losses. In a week one loss to Denver, C.J. Anderson ran for 81 yards on 20 carries. In a week two loss to Miami, Jay Ajayi ran for 122 yards on 28 carries. In a week three loss to Kansas City, Kareem Hunt ran for 172 yards and a touchdown on 17 carries. And in a week four loss to Philadelphia, LeGarrette Blunt, that's right, old friend LeGarrette Blunt ran for 136 yards on 16 carries. So Deion Lewis needs to see that. His eyes need to light up. And 
with that, seeing that this could be the Deion Lewis game. And if it's not, I still expect Tom Brady to have a big game against this Chargers defense at home with a 1 o'clock start. I'm going to take the Patriots minus 7. I expect the Patriots for the second straight week to win and cover the spread at home. The Patriots will win. They will cover. I'm taking New England minus 7. Then... I'm going with the Seattle Seahawks, minus five and a half over the Houston Texans. This game is in Seattle. Take a look at the Seahawks for a minute. They began the season one and two, but since then, they've won three straight games to get back to 500. The Seahawks right now are four and two, looking up to only one team ahead of them in the NFC West. That's the LA Rams. The Rams are at five and two. Uh, the Seahawks know that they need to keep up with LA. They need to keep up with the Rams in that NFC West. So one way you can do that is by taking care of business in your own building. And I fully expect the Seahawks to take care of business in their own building. That's why I'm taking a minus five and a half over Houston. But when you look at Houston's side of things, they're three and three. They're coming off the bye week. Deshaun Watson has been tearing it up this season as a rookie quarterback that I'm not going to lie to you. I feel extremely confident in Deshaun Watson Especially whenever I make my DraftKings picks, like Deshaun Watson is somebody that needs to get a serious look every single week, except for this one, because I'm about to throw a stat at you, about to throw a number at you, a couple numbers that I think are going to make you think twice if you were thinking about taking Deshaun Watson or even the Texans in this game. Here is that stat. Since 2012, rookie quarterbacks are 0-4 with their teams averaging just 17 points a game when starting in Seattle. Again, since 2012, rookie quarterbacks are 0-4 in Seattle with their teams averaging just 17 points a game in those games when those rookie quarterbacks start. Deshaun Watson's a rookie quarterback. This Seattle team's in their own building. I don't think that Deshaun Watson is going to break that trend. This is maybe the toughest place in all of football to play. And the Seahawks defense, oh yeah, by the way, their defense, never mind at home, just talk about in general. The Seahawks defense allows a league-best 15.7 points per game. Again, that's tops in the league. That's best defense in the league. Points per game, only 15.7 of them. And, uh... I told you about Dwight Freeney. I don't know how much of an impact Dwight Freeney is going to have in this game. He didn't have much of an impact in my pick on this one, but those other numbers did. So in Seattle, the numbers just don't lie. This is, again, one of the toughest places to play in the league, especially for rookie quarterbacks. Give me the Seahawks in this one by a touchdown. Then I am going to go last but certainly not least with the Dallas Cowboys minus two. Over the Washington Redskins, this one is in D.C. I told you I'm taking Kirk Cousins to be my DraftKings. Gotta have him play of the week. But that doesn't mean I'm picking the Redskins to win this game. I'm picking the Cowboys minus two. Cowboys at three and three. They're coming off a big win against the 49ers. They whooped the 49ers in San Fran last week by a score of 40 to 10. The Redskins at three and three. Um, and I'm telling you, they're going to be wishing that Ezekiel Elliott, as good as Kirk Cousins is going to be, the Redskins defense is going to be wishing that Ezekiel Elliott started serving his suspension in week eight because they're coming off a short week. They played Monday Night Football, losing to the Eagles. But um, it's just, I think this one is as simple as we saw what Dallas was last week against San Fran in a must-win situation, right? We saw what they were in in a desperate in a desperate game. Last week was a desperate game for the Cowboys. I think this one is just as desperate knowing that Ezekiel Elliott, he could have to start serving a suspension in week nine. I think they all know that. So they feel the need, if they want to have any shot to win this division or at least make the playoffs as a wild card team, seeing how good Philly has been and how hot of a start they've gotten off to at six and one. The Cowboys know they need to take advantage of having Ezekiel Elliott. If they do lose him for six weeks, it's probably going to be beginning next week. So win as many games as you can with them there. They're only 3-3. Three and three. We saw what the Cowboys were in a, in a desperate situation, and I think this is still a desperate situation for them. They're on the road once again. Washington's a much better team than San Francisco. However, I just think that Dallas has so many weapons. This is going to be a shootout. Again, the highest overrunner of the week, 49 and a half. 
I am going with the Cowboys to win this one by a touchdown uh, divisional matchup. Again, high scoring, back and forth. I get, I'm taking the Cowboys. Six-point win for the Cowboys. They have the ball last. They score a touchdown, and it'll be the last team to have the ball that wins this game. Give me Dallas minus two in D.C. So here are my picks for week number eight. I'm going Atlanta minus five, Carolina plus two and a half, New England minus seven, Seattle minus five and a half, and Dallas minus two. Picks, picks for week eight presented by the Dorchester Group. The Dorchester Group is a full-service real estate agency specializing in the sale of properties in the Boston area. Do yourself a favor and put someone from the neighborhood in your corner. Call the Dorchester Group right now, 617-869-4464. That's 617-869-4464. Or go to their website, thedorchestergroupre.com. Maximize your return today with the Dorchester Group. I know a lot of people who have, and you should too, because again, you look around the city of Boston right now, uh, I know I'm from Southie. It ha- it's happened a lot in Southie, but now it's, you know, it's not just Southie. Also, it's happening here in Dorchester, where my studio is. So uh, you need to call the Dorchester Group right now because you need them in your corner. You will not regret it. Mark my words. That's what we got for today's show. I will be back on Monday to break it all down and go over what we've seen in the World Series up to that point. And, um... One more thing, actually. Got to give a special thanks to Teresa's Market. They're a sponsor on the show. Uh, Teresa's Market, the best Mexican food in all of Boston. They stopped by yesterday and gave us some food and fed not just me, but everybody here at Beantown Athletics. So uh, special thanks to them. It was delicious as usual, and we're looking forward to getting some of that once again. But special thanks to Teresa's Market for feeding us all here at Beantown Athletics yesterday. Get this show whenever you want at dannypicard.com. Also on iTunes, Stitcher, TuneIn, Google Play, anywhere podcasts are available. Also on the Podcast One Network. Follow me on Twitter at Danny Picard. Like my Facebook page, facebook.com slash the Danny Picard Show. Have a great weekend, everybody. I'm out. Talk to you on Monday. <laughs>